Hey, this is Ant McGinley from the UK, and you are listening to Chasing Dreams with Amy J. Welcome to Chasing Dreams podcast with Amy J. Amy believes that realizing a life without regrets is achieved by taking chances, chasing your dreams, making moves, and overcoming your doubts. The Chasing Dreams podcast will help you overcome life's obstacles, believe in your potential, and inspire you to face your fears. And now here's the woman who is passionately pursuing her dreams, Amy J. Hey, Dream Chasers, this is Amy J. And thank you so much for tuning in to episode 136 of Chasing Dreams. Today's episode is sponsored by our Patreon campaign supporters. Thanks to all of you for supporting our mission to inspire, equip, and empower people to chase their dreams. You guys can find all of our supporters over at amyj21.com slash supporters. And you can also help us out if you'd like to support and be a part of the campaign. Uh, more about that at amyj21.com slash Patreon. All right, on to our guest today, Aunt McGinley, psychology graduate, former morning radio show host, former cruise ship social host, wannabe multilinguist, networking ninja, which I can attest to, wannabe wrestler and creative director and co-founder of Abrupt Audio. Last year, in the first year of his company trading, he oversaw the production of 312 podcast episodes, and he grew an online community of over 2,000 active podcasters in the group PodTips. He's the producer and co-writer of the award-nominated comedy soccer podcast On the Left Side, and is the host of the Pod Tips podcast, and soon to be speaker at Podcast Movement 2018. And he is here today, guys. I can't wait for you to hear about his story and what he has gone through to get where he is today. Hey, Ant, welcome to the show. Hi. Uh, it's so nice to speak to you again and catch up because it seems like only yesterday we were sat next to each other just by sheer chance at Podcast Movement, and six months have just gone like that. It's crazy, right? And you know what? Thank you so much because it ants in uh, the UK and the time difference means it's like midnight or something over there, right? Yeah, pretty close. And I'm not even at home actually. So we're we're on a, something of a road trip at the minute. So we're in Norwich, and which is probably one of the hardest places to get to in the UK because <laughs> it's uh, it, it's not very well connected to anywhere. And it's a lovely place to go to, but uh, it's kind of the, the the joke is it's kind of four hours from everywhere. Oh, wow! So because there's no there's no highways to it, there's no real there's one train line from London, and uh, yeah. So for me, I've, I've just come from Manchester, which if you look on a map, Manchester's northwest of Norwich, and I've had to travel to London, uh, so go south for a couple of hours, and then go northeast uh, to get to Norwich. It's just yeah. So one problem in our great British infrastructure. Wow. So yeah, so, so I'm in a little Airbnb with my little portable studio set up. So uh, apologies if it sounds a little echoey and uh, I'd be quite embarrassed because I'm something of an audiophile. He is, but you know, that's actually how we met. So Ant was, it was like the day before Podcast Movement 2017 officially began. And there was um, a speech you say competition it was mostly presentations yeah they called it pmx so almost like tedx so it's kind of like the almost like talks before the talks begin and and this guy sits down at my table 
And I, we just got talking and we just got on like a house on fire. It, he's just awesome. And we became friends and we keep in touch chatting. I've seen your travels that you've been doing, that the things that you've been doing have been fun. He's on Instagram, guys. Uh, those links will be on the show notes. But yeah, you've been keeping very busy. Yeah, well, I, I think podcast movement for me was maybe not quite a make and break moment for me, but definitely it gave me a lot of focus and a lot of energy. And I think I'm I'm very much a people person. Mm-hmm. And as you might have noticed, I'm, I'm something of a, of a networker. And just to be in that one place with so many people podcasting really gave me so much energy and ideas and connections and drive and yeah, so I, I came back from the States, that trip there, with so much focus and energy. And I, I honestly feel that for everything that I'd put in before I'd got I'd got to podcast movement, the, the last six months have really, you know, seen seen a sharp spike upwards, which has just been brilliant. And is it something that would have happened anyway? I don't know. But that's just, you know, historically what's happened. Well, so that's interesting. You said it was a make or break moment for you coming into podcast movement. Why, why do you say it was a make or break moment? So we set up a couple of years ago as a company and my, my background is in radio. So I did psychology when I was at university and while I was studying, I also uh, got involved with student media, did the newspaper, uh, I did the student radio and just found this incredible love and passion for it and freedom and creativity and did some wonderful things, but only had a small taste of the cherry. And then I came out of that, was very lucky to progress and get a job at the BBC. I uh, worked at Radio One for a while as a produ- production assistant and then got my break presenting. So I did a morning show, a, a drive home show on commercial radio in the UK. And then I had a few years in the wilderness I uh, took some time out, worked on a cruise ship for a three, few years as a DJ, and then came back and realized I still loved audio, but I didn't necessarily want to get back into radio. Mm-hmm. And But I, because I had those skills, I got some opportunities and some work. And while I was covering a morning show, they put together like a temporary crew. And one of the guys they paired me up with, while the records were playing, we just chatted about other things we were doing. And we found out that we'd both been podcasting. And... We were kind of different sides of the same circle in a sense, almost like yin and yang in that we both had the same kind of vision, yet he was much further down the line in terms of the business side of things and having the company already there. And I was more down the line of the creative side of it and actually having created some shows and had had them out there and people involved and ideas. And we just kind of pulled our resources and, you know, about... A year later, we stopped doing it as a side hustle and took the brave step and quit the jobs and uh, went into the world of podcasting full time and very quickly found that it wasn't uh, the bright oasis it promised to be. Uh, I think we kind of initially, my initial view had been, hey, well, I'll go in and I'll, if I can produce four or five different podcasts for different people a week and split the sponsorship and funding for that with those people. That's quite a good little income on that. And then we can build other things. But we very quickly found out that the podcasting landscape in the UK is nothing compared to what it is in the US. And 
we did a lot of research on this and statistically we found that you know we were so far behind and i couldn't get my head around this because if you look at us and uk culture you know it's so closely connected it has been for many years like if you go back to maybe the the 80s and 90s there was a real disconnect we were slightly behind trends that were happening in the states would take a little while to come over whereas nowadays things that are hot stateside are hot in the uk yeah everything's very instantaneous exactly yeah so uh, and, and partly that's down to the social media and the internet but you know, in culturally, in terms of taste, like the same artist, Taylor Swift is as big over here as, as she is over there. Uh, TV-wise, you guys all love Downton Abbey, which is huge over here. Um, Game of Thrones works on both sides. The Walking Dead, all these things, the movies, the, the the a lot of your actors are now in the West End doing shows over here and vice versa. And there's a real connection. It almost seems that in many ways we're closer than we ever have been before. Yeah, when it came to podcasting, I think the, the statistics for 2016 worked out that something around maybe 40, 45% of Americans had listened to at least one podcast in that year. And the same statistics for the UK suggested only 7%. And obviously, we've got a smaller population. So 7% of 70 million is a lot smaller than 45% of nearly 400 million. And so there's a smaller audience. And we were... We, we started out and we had this idea to, to make our own shows, but also to, to supplement that, we quickly changed direction and started to make branded shows for companies. But we found it so difficult to begin with because we'd get the meetings, we'd go in, and we'd spend half the meeting explaining to people what a podcast was. And that's quite disheartening, you know, and you've maybe only got 20 minutes and you spent 10 of them explaining what a podcast is and how to listen to it. Yeah. It's not very uh, encouraging. Exactly. And, and then by that point, they're already thinking, well, that sounds so, too difficult and complicated. And expensive um, probably. Yeah. Yeah. So we found that first year was so disheartening from a business point of view. I mean, creatively it was really good. You know, we, we did some really good things that we're really proud of and have gone from strength to strength, but you know, you can't live, I suppose it's like the, the artist struggle. And we found ourselves, we were more artists than businessmen, which was fine for me because I, I'm probably more artistic than, than my business partner, Chris is. But, uh, you know, when it came to the accountant, the accountant's very black and white. Um, so we'd kind of been through this and I'd been through some personal things as well with this. So when we, when we set up the company, I'd come into a, a little bit of an inheritance and I invested that in the company. And so I put enough to get us started. Chris put some in as well. And then I put enough money to the side to you know, keep me going for a year. And the plan was uh, that whatever happened, I would still have the money to pay the mortgage, pay the bills. Survive. And, and survive. Yeah. And I think that's important to do. And and my my fiance was was supportive of this, and she's like, "Okay, that's fine. Shut your thing. You're sensible about it. It's great." And I said, "I'm going to do this for a year and see what happens." A year into it, the pot of money was dwindling, and we'd made some wonderful stuff, which I was so proud of, and I, I could see us growing and making connections and building. But there was, you know, the the money wasn't coming in. You know, it, it wasn't even trickling in at that point. And uh, so I had, had something. You had that, given your all into this at the time, though, right? Like full 120% well, kind of thing? Yeah. 
although although it, it, I think I, I definitely invested the money into it. So that, you know that's that's a real sign of commitment when you put money into it. But then I think as well because I had that buffer, I maybe don't think I put a hundred and twenty percent into it. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. yeah. I knew that even if it didn't work, I was still going to eat and I was still going to have somewhere to sleep. And so you know I, I probably was putting in a good eighty percent, but I like I had that safety net. But then that safety net very quickly disappeared. We'd been together about four years and her family were quite, she was very much their little princess and uh, they had visions of who was going to be the right person for her. And um, they couldn't quite understand what I was doing. They just saw that I hadn't worked for a year. They didn't appreciate that I'd already put money aside to take care of the bills and sort of, yeah, they just, yeah, they just thought I was a, a bum, basically. And there was a lot of pressure on her. And that pressure sort of manifested through her as well and started to come through. And that put a strain in our relationship. But we um, pressed on. You know, we were like, look, this is, I believe in this. I know I said a year, but it's going to take a little bit longer. But you've heard what I've done. You've seen what I'm putting into it. Whatever anybody else says, you know how hard I'm working. And this is going to work. And uh, so we... We put the house up for sale because we decided to move mm-hmm. and we found a house. And even though that I kind of wasn't making any money from the business, we managed to arrange things between us and we were granted a mortgage and everything was great. And then all of a sudden things started to take off. And we, one of the first shows that I started to make, in fact, the first podcast I made within the company was a, a martial arts interview show. Uh, mixed martial arts it's a terrible name it's a terrible name which is one of the things that i learned <laughs> because because people hear it and you go oh listen to mixed martial arts like, oh yeah that sounds really cool so is that m-i-x or m-i-c-k-s or m-i-c-k apostrophe yes <laughs> yeah another thing is it's a great it's a, it's great when it's written down it's playing words it's very funny it's hosted by mick tully who's this great martial artist in the uk and he just interviews other martial artists that he's either trained with or is about to train with but the problem is the name and people uh, finding it yeah, exactly. And so that that's an important lesson that we've learned. And in fact, me and Chris often say that we base our whole company and our policy and everything we teach on the fact that we've made a lot of mistakes and uh, we've learned from that and we, we embrace that very much. Anyway, so we'd started this show and and I'd actively gone out and, and sought Mick to do the show. And Mick is not a presenter. He's not a natural, the kind of guy you would see on TV doing any show. You know, he's got no... Um, he doesn't have that personality that you would expect. Well, well, no, he does have the personality, but he's got all these other things that come with it. So Mick is a plasterer. So I'm not sure what you call that in the States, a wet wall guy. Yeah. Yes. Drywall. And, uh, yeah. Drywall, wet wall. And he, um, you know, he's got ADHD and he's deaf in one ear from all the boxing that he's done. Mm-hmm. And he just, he'll ask you one question. And in the middle of that question, he'll change direction just with his ADHD and go to another question and then ask three or four questions before you think he's coming back to the original and then asks you something completely different. And you're just down that road that... Yeah. And And so uh, from a production point of view, if you're like, you're editing this and and you're thinking, I'm having a nightmare. What must it be like to be a guest for this guy? But having said that, he has this wonderful ability to just connect with people and draw stories out of them. And... You know, for so many people in the podcast world, that's what is the basis of a good podcast. It's the story. Absolutely. And and so it's just this incredible ability. And initially what had happened was 
I'd started down the podcast path and I, I found Mick because I used to train with Mick mm-hmm. and uh, I I knew he was so well connected because he trains with these guys from all over the world all the time. And um, I was going to have him be my fixer and just set up all the interviews for me. And then one day I was in the car and there's a, it's an amazing teacher from Minnesota called Rick Fay, who I've been lucky enough to train with maybe 20 or 30 times. And he, he's over in the UK quite a lot. And, uh, a lot of us will travel over there to train with him. And um, I was in the car with Mick and Rick and just sat in the back seat while they were talking. And I sat there and I went, wow, you know, I, I've got the skills. I've got the background with the BBC and commercial radio. I know how to conduct an interview. I know how to, you know, let the other person talk, let the conversation breathe, get to the heart of the matter. But I can't do what he's doing. And I suddenly really, because these guys have, spent years together, they've trained together, they've put complete trust in each other. Sure, and they have a bond. Exactly. And that's what he has. And also he's got this ability, not just to all these people that he interviews, he's got the bond with, but also it, it, that skill that he has must be so strong that he almost has this natural ability now just to bond with people almost instantly. And mm-hmm. sometimes over things that you might normally avoid as an interviewer. So I, I suddenly went, there's no point in me doing the interview. I'll make it about you. And then very quickly we we did about the first 10 shows and then we were at an awards event and this cameraman came over and said, can I sit in on the interview? I said, yeah, sure. And it turned out this guy, uh, it's called Will Henshaw and he directed a TV show uh, for the BBC called Mind, Body and Kick-Ass Moves from about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And this, this show was great. It's like a million pound budget, went all around the world doing martial arts. Um, but there was a problem with the presenter and it never got a second season. And we started doing some work with him, some video work. And so just about the time, you know, that was ticking along nicely. We did a few things. And then just about the time, things felt like I'd hit like a creative wall and I wasn't going to reach where I wanted to go. And I was getting pressure from my fiance and her family. Um, Will landed as a deal to go to Malta. And there was a big martial arts tournament taking place there. And basically the Maltese tourist board paid for us to go over, mm-hmm. film the tournament, but as long as we would do some tourist stuff as well. So we, uh, we flew out and we just had the most amazing three or four days. We had everything taken care of hotels, drivers, guides, just taking us to and from. And we kind of felt a little bit like, how is, you know, how has this happened? This has just happened so quickly. Right. And- all because of a podcast. Yeah. And it was, and I was just like, so, so this is, and I was like, this is an idea that I'd had and very quickly it's become not just a reality for me, but now there's, there's two other guys involved in this and we're having this amazing experience. And so we, we got to go around to do some filming and do some great things. And then I came back from that. And that week I came back, and went straight to a meeting at the BBC about another idea that I'd had, uh, which they wanted to see if they could develop into a a kids TV show, which is still um, very much in development, but on the sidelines with all the podcasting that's happening now. And then uh, I also do a soccer podcast called On the Left Side. Mm-hmm. And we were invited to Old Trafford, which is the home stadium for Manchester United. And it was a big awards evening. And we were fairly new in in, in that arena, but we were invited as guests to come along and take part. And again, this had all come from just ideas that I'd had and been involved with in the early stages. 
And for you uh, to be networking. I mean, so. Yeah, it's brilliant. So it's I was like, so, yeah, so suddenly it wasn't just all in my head and in my ears, if you will, in terms of the podcast. There was actual physical things I could see and I was there and being recognized and stuff was happening. And so this was over the course of a week. And so from a career point of view, it was the most amazing week. It was taking off. Yeah. And I came home to my fiance. Mm-hmm. Bear in mind, we, we'd uh, accepted an offer on the house, which is being sold. We'd found a house we were going to buy. I went away for a week and she'd been away for about a week before with her family. So I'd, we'd not seen each other for nearly two weeks. And I came back on such a high from all of this and sat down and basically the next thing she said to me was, I've bought a house. And I was very confused because I was like, what do you mean? Yeah. And so she'd spent some time with her family and had decided that this was not the right thing for her. And so she'd bought a house and uh, so suddenly, while my career was suddenly starting to take off my dream, the relationship that I'd been in for four years and the house I was living with were gone. And I just, that that hit me like a, uh, I mean, I'm not sure I can compare it to anything, like a Chinese space station falling from the sky. <laughs> a tidal yeah. wave that just kind of hits you and just pulls yeah, you under. And just... Um, the, the shock was incredible. And, uh, <laughs> and so here's, here's a little thing I didn't put in my, um, when, when, when we were chatting before and you said, I'll oh, just send over the notes about the kind of things that you do. So for the last couple of years, every Christmas, I've, um, I've been Father Christmas. Um, sorry, just, just I should have said fingers and ears just in case you're listening with young people. I've been helping Santa, let's say that. <laughs> and, um, and obviously, I, I, you know, you've met me, you can see that I've got this amazingly, you know, big yeah, and vibrant. Yeah, you perfect. Yeah, well, I mean, it, but the problem is it's bright red and ginger, um, but I do color it. So I, um, I make it white and I've got the suit and the voice. And I've done that for the last three or four years. Previously, I did Panto, which is not something I'm sure all, all your listeners are familiar with, but it's a kind of comedy theater show that we do at Christmas. But yeah, I, I've been in Santa for the last three or four years. And it's something that me and my fiance would always do together. And she'd be the fairy or one of the elves and I'd be Santa Claus. Okay. And uh, she wasn't doing it as much that year, but I was just about to start. And I just had this happen to me. And. Oh man. You know, and, and the thing is as well, like when you do something like that job, you, you go into it and you think, oh, it's going to be like Christmas. Great. I love Christmas. It's a wonderful time of year. And yet you're instantly exposed. It's like networking. Every time you meet someone, whether it's a child of just a child or the child and the family, you're exposed to a different set of circumstances and everyone's different. And so you're meeting children from broken homes, children that are severely ill and got great difficulties. Um, Children who you think are just older children, um, but are actually parents of the other child that you're seeing. You're seeing children with just emotional problems, behavioral problems. So a wide variety. Uh, yeah. And, and then, and then you, you, you get a little bit of information before these children come in. You like their name and maybe what they want for Christmas. Sometimes you also find out that, you know, they just be aware that they're going to be around for Christmas, but they might not make it to new year. 
Oh, that's got to be devastating. And so I can't even imagine that one right there. Yeah. And so it, it just, I mean, nothing prepares you for this. I mean, like when you do all the training for this, it's like learning the reindeer's name and, you know, just something about elves and that, but always there's something that the children catch you out with, whether it's like, how do you get down the chimney or, you know, how many reindeer do you have? How do you get around the world? And you make these things up and you just roll with what the children are saying. But when, you know, a child comes in that, you know, is so so ill. Right. And and there's nothing you can do. And, and you, you kind of, (laughs) There's nothing you can say, but you you want to give them the best experience that you can because it's such a magical experience, especially for children sort of five, six, seven, eight. You know that that's when it's really magical. But considering what I was going through at the time, sort of personally, I was probably the most difficult time of my life to have have that and that. I mean, th- th- let, let me just clarify as well. It's not all heartache, and I mean, some of it is brilliant. Uh, one example I can give you is a, a little boy came in to me with his grandma and you have a standard sort of script that you go through as father Christmas. Yeah. And so you kind of go, so if you came in, you go, hello, Amy, um, have, have you been good? And you know, that, that's one question that nobody ever says no to. Right. right. Some kids will go, Oh, not sure. Been a bit naughty. Yeah. But most people will say yes, even if they've been naughty because kids know what the deal is. Anyway, this, this one little lad said no. And it's, <laughs> And it threw me and it threw, cause it's just, why would you do that? Why would you go to father Christmas and say, just lie kid lie. And <laughs> it just, just, that was it. I just, I, I, I didn't know what to say, but thankfully he continued and explained why he says, have you been good? No, I've been playing grand theft auto and I'm only five. <laughs> at, which, <laughs> at which point his grandma like smacked him. I said, Shh, we don't talk about that. Honest. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, the thing is, th- those kinds of things happen. So, were, but, you so still, I, were you still able to to do it going through all yeah. of this? Well, I, you know, I, I think it, it. I think at the time it gave me focus. It gave me focus, and I think I was still making a lot of podcasts, and I was making two or three podcasts a week, and I was doing this job, and that just kind of gave me some something to, some, to cling on to, some kind of routine, some sense of normality. But the knock and effect of that was because I stayed and fulfilled the contract. Uh, so I ran right the way up till Christmas and then stopped. And then I just spent a couple of days in bed exhausted and then I had to move out. So I ended up going to a storage unit and putting all my stuff in there on Christmas day. And if you ever want to go somewhere and be completely alone, I recommend that go to your nearest uh, I don't know what it would be, a U-Haul or something like that. You go to one of these big storage units. Yeah, we, we have Christ- them too, yeah. Yeah, Christmas Day, there's nobody there. And uh, yeah, so I did, did two or three trips, loaded everything out, cleared everything out of the house. All by yourself? All by myself. Um, and then did a did a four or five hour road trip to spend Christmas with my family. And I'll, I'll tell you now, most of that stuff is still in the storage unit. Um. Because as difficult as that was, it kind of gave me a lot of freedom because, I mean, the first thing it gave me was freedom from the giant mortgage I was about to have. <laughs> um, Dodged a bullet. Also, yeah. And it also gave me freedom from what was basically um, a lot of negativity and you could even say toxicity from that relationship. Because um, your memories and- tied with those things are now... Yeah. And you know what? The, the thing is that, you know, it, it wasn't a bad relationship. It was just, 
it was just colored. It was just affected and warped by, by what was happening with her family. And, um, and I think I maybe would never have left. I, I maybe would have never let the, left the relationship. I was just so loyal and so committed to that sure. relationship. So it kind of freed me from that. Well, and, uh, can I ask you something? Sure. With, with everything that was going on with the high you had with the week long high, essentially before it kind of came crashing down all around you. Did you ever think, and you kept the contract going with that, did it ever occur to you to try and, and, and this isn't any judgment, this is just curiosity, to kind of focus on the relationship or your personal life or yourself or, you know, put a pause on the work? Was that ever a consideration? I mean, the, th- the thing is, the, I think, I mean, maybe this is a flaw in my optimistic personality, but I, you know, I thought the relationship fundamentally was, was good and it was supportive. And I think, I think you're right. I think there are things that are more important in life than, than work. But I think what had happened in this relationship, because there'd been problems with her family very early on, I'd spent a lot of time in the second year we were together trying to, you know, win her family over. And I learned, well, I was going to say very quickly, but over the period of six months, I learned that it didn't matter what I did. I was never going to be good enough. Yeah, that's tough. That's, you know, there's some people out there, guys, uh, that you're just not going to convince. Yeah, completely. And and so what I what I found then my my new tact from that was well, actually, if if they just stop focusing on the fact that I'm not in a regular nine to five, I'm not bringing home the kind of salary that they want every month, you know. And I was thinking, you know, that, that they want, uh, they they were saying, oh, you make a great sales guy, and you could be bringing home thirty thirty five thousand pounds a year if you were just doing this, and and it's because. Her dad had been a salesman and that's what he'd done his whole life. And he thought that was hard work and that's what you get. And I was like, well, that's great. And I respect that. And I have complete respect for people that, that do that. But I was like, there's a chance if I do this and I pursue this and do this well, I could be bringing that home every month, you know, never mind every year. Um, but I, I wasn't driven by the money. I was driven by the opportunity and the, the, the creativity. And again, I think that that upset them. So I, I just switched tact and instead of trying to change them, I thought eventually they'll say that she's happy with me and things will be fine. Um, but you know, that they weren't willing to change. And you know what? That's everything for a reason. And right now, so now, now we're six months later about, right. Yeah. Well, so the, so what happened was that, so you, it's a very long way of getting around to the story. So the, so I've come out of that breakup and it's still quite raw and we're struggling. And, you know, the things with the the business were, were, were tickling along and, and things are starting to to happen in the UK. And suddenly we've gone from having, spending hours trying to convince people to going into meetings and people going, oh yeah, I've heard cereal. Okay, great start. And we can, we can go there. We can work with that. And uh, then, you know, we've got clients now. We've got a list of clients, still no clients in the UK. Still no clients in the UK, but we've got seven or eight clients in Australia, parts of Europe, uh, and, and things are starting to happen. And, okay, this is becoming more like what we thought it would be. And also the stuff we were producing in-house was getting better by the day. And we were getting great feedback on that and starting to get a bit of recognition and some reviews. And 
it was moving forward. And then it came up to, we heard about this event called Podcast Movement. And we looked at this and we thought, we should be there. We need to be there. You know, this is, if this is what we're doing, this is what we're, we have to be there. But at that time, we, we literally had no money in the bank. The, the company was struggling. You know, we were just about getting along. I wasn't taking a salary. And so I said, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. And Chris had just got married and he'd had his honeymoon. So he, we decided I would go by myself. So I you know, paid for the plane ticket, paid for the hotel, paid for the conference ticket without any promise of it coming back. So when, when I sat next to you, you were like the second or maybe third person I'd met. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I probably met and had a conversation with and swapped details with and changed business cards with half the people that were there over the next couple of days. And by the end of it, I had no voice, you know, I, I and I, I spent, most of the time, just meeting, networking, talking to people. I hardly got to see any of the show, the the, the speakers, but I had the, the the speaker ticket so I could catch up with them all later. So I wasn't too worried about that. I was more about connecting and learning. And I wanted to learn. I wanted to say to people when I met them, what do you do? How are you doing it? How's it working out? And then I was asking them about what they thought was going on because back to what I was saying about the difference between the US market and the UK market in podcasting. I was like, if the market in the UK was the same as it is here, and I was doing what I was doing, we would be we'd be rolling in it. We have, things would be going great, things would be going well. But I, I just wanted to know, like, have I have I missed the bus? Have I got on the wrong bus? You know, um, is everybody else in a Ferrari while I'm on a bus? What what's going on? You know, have have I backed the wrong horse? And I I, I literally went there kind of going, Okay, I've I've got to ask this question. I've got to find out because at some point I might have to go. All right, I've tried and it's failed. And I went there optimistically, but I still had that question to ask of people. So it's interesting to me that that you you asked that question when you came out because obviously you're still doing it. The company's still around. You're still working. You're you're still <laughs> going. Did you feel good about the, res- the the conversations you were having that it motivated you to keep going? I squeezed every ounce of the £3,000 I spent to get there. <laughs> so, you know, at the time that was a hell of a lot of money, um, but it was worth every penny being there and meeting people, the connections. And uh, like I, I the, officially it started on the Wednesday. I got there on the Monday. You know, I wanted to make sure I, I, I was the most out of it. Yeah, exactly. I think as well because we felt quite isolated as well in the in the UK because there were a lot of companies that previously produced audio for radio stations that started to produce podcasts, but there wasn't many other people like ourselves that were purely a podcast company, and we, you know, we we didn't feel connected. We knew there was people that podcasted, but most of the the podcasters in the UK that people would have heard of were celebrities. You know, we didn't have that kind of um, backing, that support, that calling card. We were just kind of going in, you know, trying to knock on the door from the outside. Yeah, so I, I went there, went to Podcast Movement 2017 in Anaheim. I didn't know anybody. Nobody knew me. And 
we sat down on that first day, at the end of the first day, they had that orienteering session. I don't know if you remember. Yes. Where they came it yes. was right after. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they, uh, one of the things they, they said, I can't remember who it was that got up and talked about it. But they said, look, you want to focus on what you're doing. You want to focus on what you want to get out of this. So write down the things that you want to get out and, and focus while you're here. Now, I've always been quite good at, at getting, getting to do things that I wanted to do. Um, like I remember when I was maybe 14, I made, I made a list and kept it in a folder at home. And it's just things that I wanted to do like play American football, skydive, go scuba diving, right. uh, visit China, all these things. And I just kind of had this in a folder and then you'd go on the top of my wardrobe in my parents' house. And whenever I went to visit, whenever I remembered, I'd go to the wardrobe and take this list out and have a look at it. And I'd go, oh yeah, I've done that. And I'd tick it. And then I'd write down something else that I'd wanted to do and then tick something else. And, um, but it was never like a real focused, like a, a life coach kind of thing. Like I'm going to kind of do these, I'm going to do this by this year. It was just, a, I, I just done that off my own back. Okay. So, so that was the first time in that session where I actually wrote down something that I wanted to do in that the next four or five days. And I wrote down 10 things, I wrote down 10 things that I wanted to do. I can't remember all 10 of them. I just remember that I got nine of them, nine out of the 10. And so some of them were like, you know, I want to speak to as many people as I can and find out what's going on, what's the difference, see if I can find out why, if I'm doing the right thing. Uh, some things were more simple, like just to be a guest on somebody else's podcast, uh, somewhere to get other people to be guests on some of my podcasts. And then the 10th one was, I want to be invited to come back and speak at Podcast Movement 2018. And so I came away from Podcast Movement 17 with nine out of the 10 and a question mark over that last one. And then about two weeks ago, we got accepted to come and speak. That's right. So uh, that's amazing. Yeah. It's pretty exciting. And what's, uh, what's great about that is uh, what we're actually going to be doing at at podcast movement in terms of our our talk is something that I told the story about um, to uh, Ted Hossman uh, from Apple and Steve Wilson, mm-hmm. who were there, and didn't, didn't even realize these guys were were from Apple. I just literally gone over to Ted because he's got this amazing beard. I said, "I'd love <laughs> your beard, man." It's like because he's got a great mustache as well. And at the time, I was trying to grow my mustache out, and we we're just talking beards. And then I very quickly realized that everyone around the table was talking about shares and all these wonderful things that you get with Apple shares. And I went, "Oh my God, you guys are with Apple!" But yeah, and I'd had a drink. And I was jet lagged. And so I just blurted out, we got in trouble with you. <laughs> <laughs> and then instantly went, why, why did I do that? Why did I say that? <laughs> and he says, oh, what happened? And I went, oh, we just got a cease and desist. And I went, ready? From which department? And I was thinking, you know, that part of when you have that internal monologue, or maybe it's the, the angel and devil on your shoulder. And yeah. something, this little voice going, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Just walk away. Just be honest. Away. Yeah. And I went, so what had happened was we'd come up with this idea. And this, this was a year ago. We did it for the first time. We'd come up with this idea for um, teaching people how to podcast. Because one of the things we realized was perhaps the reason why podcasting isn't as big in the UK as it is in the US is there's less people actually podcasting. Mm-hmm. And we looked into this and saw there's a lot of barriers. And we found like linguistically there's barriers. Like you say the word podcast and we found a lot of people that we surveyed assumed that you had to have an Apple device to listen to it. 
Oh, interesting. Um, okay. Also, also, people in the UK were put off by the word subscribe because they equated to subscribe to having to pay to, for something. Yeah. Huh. So, and then, and then, obviously, there's the, the the technical things because even though anybody can podcast, you have to have a certain amount of equipment to do that. And then, so that takes time to learn that, and it takes time to figure out how to do certain things and little cacks and that. So we came up with a session. We had forty minutes at a conference, and rather than just stand up and talk to people and tell people about our journey and what we've done and how we got into it, right. we thought let's give them something interactive. And so session started, and we said, right, um, on the screen you'll see a link. Just go to that link, subscribe to that feed. There's nothing there at the minute, but what we're going to do. We're going to make a podcast right now in the room with you. And by the end of the session, hopefully you'll have a podcast to listen to that you just made. And we thought in theory, this was possible, but we were never sure that it was going to, going to work. And we did it and it worked. And I think we were 35 minutes on the clock. Everybody's phone started to ping. Everybody played it back on speaker. And we had this kind of, 54 iPhone salute of the podcast we'd all just made in that room. <laughs> and it was brilliant. It was great. We had such great feedback off people, such interest in what we were doing as a company. We got booked for some more talks. We got invited to come and do the same talk elsewhere. And it was brilliant. And um, we'd used the title of the talk as a title for a book we were going to write. And we'd, um, we'd already secured the domain and it was great. So this is and good. I think everything's working this, out. Everything's great, great. So this is on the Thursday, I think. And then on the m Monday, first thing Monday morning, oh, well, actually it would have been about lunchtime Monday. We kind of noticed that the, uh, the feed's gone, the show's gone, it's been taken down. And then we get a very, um, as we might say in the UK, a very strongly worded email from Apple. Um, and the problem was, is we'd just been a little bit enthusiastic and infringed Apple copyright because we were trying to come up with a cool name to to turn people's ideas into podcasts. Uh -oh. And so we'd gone, hey, I know what. What about ideas written like iTunes, so small i, capital D, E-A-S. <laughs> ideas to iTunes, because that's what we were doing. We are taking someone's idea and putting it on iTunes. Brilliant, got it. So we did this, and we had all these bookings, and everyone said, oh, brilliant, yeah, come and do it, come and do it. You got slapped on the hand. Off. Yeah, we got, well, we got quite a slap. Now, when you've set up as a company to do podcasts and to teach people how to podcast, podcast out there and make money from podcasts, when the company responsible for the most podcast listening in the world points a strong finger at you and says no, you kind of don't argue. You just apologize and back away. You don't want to upset them because, you know, if, if Apple don't like us, that kind of really screws our business in the future. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of tell this story to Ted in a kind of drunken confession way, a little bit like Chunk does in the Goonies right. when he's asked to confess. And uh, and it, it's just completely expressionless. And he calls Steve over. Now, Steve's the head of, I've since learned, head of marketing for Apple uh, at podcasts, and he calls <laughs> him over. And now the, the problem was we'd used iTunes and obviously iTunes is Apple copyright, but it was just at the time where they switched over and taken the podcast out of iTunes. So you had the Apple podcast app. So part of it was they didn't want people to keep saying iTunes for podcasts. They wanted them to use Apple podcasts, right. but also we'd used iTunes and what Apple don't know, although 
they will if they listen to this, is we'd already, you know, printed up some proofs, had some graphics done for the cover of the book and for the backgrounds for the talk. You were the quick. Ideas to, oh, the ideas to iTunes logo. We spent the whole weekend. We were running with this. We've got a T-shirt. Uh, yeah, apparently. They're brilliant, yeah. Um, so the, the, those things never saw the light of day. So he calls Steve over and says, uh, tell him exactly what you just told me. And I thought, oh, my God. And again, the voice in my head just goes, just go to bed, go to bed, walk away. So I, I, I tell him the story again, and still to Ted's very expressionless. Steve says, um, do, you have, uh, do you have this on video? <laughs> and I felt, uh, I felt like I was in like some kind of courtroom and it's like kind of going, do you have the murder weapon on you, Mr. Simpson? Right. And I was like, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, we, we got, You're still we, confessing. We, 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 yeah, I'm still confessing. I'm just going, what are you doing? And he says, um, he says, can you, can you send that to me? I was like, yeah, yeah, I can send that to you. And he says, um, and can you do like a highlights version of it as well? Like a 60 second version. I was like, okay, yeah, sure. Because that is brilliant. Wow. I'm like, oh like, uh, yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. It's really good. So, really? Yeah. And you know, they they loved the idea. They loved what we were doing. They were very excited that you know there was somebody doing this kind of thing and encouraging people to and, and just teaching them because uh, you know for all the great things that Apple do, they're not very good at doing instruction manuals for lots of this stuff. For lots well, of their products. Yeah, everything's intuitive, right? <laughs> yeah. um, but you know, not everybody is intuitive. The products are intuitive, but not everybody has that intuitive skill. And so they were very excited about what we were doing. Well, I came back from podcast movement. And I was having email conversations with, you know, two very important and influential guys at Apple, you know, and a very genuine, and all because, you know, I, I paid another man a compliment over his beard. <laughs> it's the um, small things. It It, it, it is. It, it is the is. small thing. So, yeah. And so the really exciting thing now is that um, there's a version of this is what we're going to be doing for your podcast talk? movement this year yeah so and we've actually uh, developed it even further um because we we once we got the okay from apple to do it again because we can't we'd we'd put off all the bookings because you know we didn't want to get in more trouble so we rebranded it renamed it and um we took it out and we were doing it and it was great and then we got more equipment in more people involved and then we were very pleased about how it was going and then looked and realized actually we've kind of created more barriers because we're bringing in more equipment, more people Let's strip it back down. So we kind of go a bit gorilla with it now. And uh, we literally go on stage with nothing except an RSS feed, uh, somewhere for people to subscribe to. And that's as we go in without any equipment and without any ideas, without any music, without any voice, without any graphics. And the idea is that we use the people and what we find in the room to make the podcast. And it's a mix of improv. It's, um, I, w I wouldn't ever say stand up, but it's just creating there. And it's all, it looks at all the different aspects. So it's all, how, and it's all live. And so it's all, no, it's all live. So nothing is prepared. And so this is what we realized is if we go in with bits of equipment, we could have something on there and people go, oh, okay, well maybe they did that before. Nothing, nothing's prepared. The only thing that's there is the feed, because as you know, uh, once you upload a new feed to to, to Apple, it, takes, uh, it can take yeah. 12 hours. It can take a couple of days before it's there. So we, we put that in place beforehand. That's so, all that we do. So curiously, uh, what did you rebrand it to? 
Ah, so we, we just call it everything from nothing. The first rebrand was um, get a bunch of people in a room and make a podcast in 40 minutes and don't upset any big corporations in America at all. Um, <laughs> but, but that didn't fit on a T-shirt. Um, so, yes. So we, we, we call it everything from nothing and we're going to be doing it live in Philadelphia this year. And every time we do it, it it's something different. And it's more a proof of concept for people. But sometimes what we produce is very exciting and interesting anyway. And it's not just about this is how you can do it, you know, cheaply with what you'll find around you. It's more about we, we factor in actual things that you need to take into consideration, like how to source music that you can use without getting in trouble, um, how to very quickly and easily make graphics for it without having the skills that you might need. Um, and then also collaborating with other people that might just be sat next to you that you work with that to get the best out of it. Right. So, Ant, so with, with with all this going on, with everything that you've gone through between the last podcast movement, the one coming up, you've been on this roller coaster. Mm. What happens if you had stopped just short? Because I feel Trouble. like like if you had if you had stopped at any one of these points, this upswing may not have happened. But do do you think that's the case? I think. There, there was definitely a sense of momentum and, you know, we, we came back for it. And that's why I say that maybe, maybe it was podcast movement. Maybe it was just other things coming because I think we'd sowed a lot of seeds with what we were doing. And we, I came back from podcast movement and about a month later, we were nominated for an ARIA and the ARIAs are like the, the, the BAFTAs, if you will, for radio in the UK, radio and audio. And the soccer show that I make, it's a, it's almost a little bit like what John Oliver does with the news. Yes. We do that with uh -huh. soccer hmm. and it's 10 minutes twice a week. And that was nominated for best sports radio, even though it's a podcast, that was the category it was nominated in. And we went up against the BBC, I think three different BBC, one BBC station, like the whole sports output of that station. Um, a couple of BBC specials, and a big commercial radio station. We didn't win, but we had the nomination. We were That's in the room. Validation. I mean, like completely. Like all of this, everything, despite the difficulties you were you were experiencing in your personal life, or even the difficulties in trying to build this and get up off the ground, at any point anyone would probably not have faulted you for stopping. Mm. And I, I don't think I would have faulted myself. And I think I even a year into the project, you know, I'd say and I suppose I could refer to it uh, in that way. You know, I said to myself, I'm, I've got, I'm going to give myself a year. I'd put a year's worth of money for bills aside. And, you know, I, I, and then I hit that wall and I was like, oh, damn. Okay. So this isn't happening. But then I think what happened was, and maybe this will make it difficult for you to edit things, but I, I, I said earlier about how I was maybe only given 80% because I had that buffer. I had that safety net going through everything that I had. I was kind of left with not just a, I didn't have a buffer. I just had nothing, you know, I, there was uh, there was no house, you know, I was, I was you know, I, I moved back into my parents' house at 40 um, and just, you know, that was, the, that was a real reality bump, you know, mm -hmm. uh, but, but then that forced me to kind of, you know, it was either go hard or give up, you know, go hard or go home. That's, that's kind of where, where I'd got. And I just thought, 
you know, maybe it's mad. You know, maybe the thing is, I think if somebody was telling me this story as a friend, I might say to them, okay, give up now, stop, you know, go and go and take a break, take five, sure, try something else, try something else. Yeah. But I, but I, I loved it so much. I enjoyed it. I was so proud with it, with everything that we'd made, that we'd, we'd got out and just things kept going from, from strength to strength. And that the other thing we did, we came back and we set up a, a community online now it's smaller than other podcast communities out there but uh in, in a very short space of time we grew to two and a half thousand members across the world the group is called pod tips and we, we have three very simple rules like to join the group you either have to have a podcast or want to have a podcast the second is to be willing to share questions and problems and successes that you might have and the third rule is you don't promote your own show. So it's not a it's not a place to come and get new listeners. It's just to share the knowledge. And look at that. That's amazing. Yeah. And it's grown so quickly. We do a weekly podcast called Pod Tips, um, uh, uh, which takes a question from that group and answers it um in 60 seconds and then answers it in a bit more depth if you want to stick around. So you, you can get a quick fix very easily. You can stick around and get more detailed sort of discussion on on the possible reasons why drawing from our experiences. And that's been a wonderful connection and community. It's so active. And what's really nice for me is I'll see the same questions come up every couple of weeks. And yet, you know, nobody goes, oh, somebody asked this a few weeks ago. Right, right. The, the, the response is very supportive. And different people come in and sometimes they have new and different answers, but otherwise they have great ideas and support that comes in. And it's great for us because it, it just seems to be helping it grow. And even when I came back from podcast movement last year and I was in this room of like 2000 people that were podcasting, which was just an amazing sensation to be there. I kind of came back and thought we have to be careful here. We have to be careful that we don't fall into a, a trap of, or a bubble of thinking that this is it. We're great. We're all there because actually still the amount of people that listen to podcasts are small. Yeah. And I, th and I think anybody that podcasts, when you meet somebody that doesn't listen to a podcast, you should be encouraging them to go and listen to it. And you've got to accept the fact that your podcast might not be right for them. And it's important that that person's first podcasting experience is a positive one for them. So I think we have a, a mission as podcasters to be aware of what other people are doing. And when we meet people that want to are curious about podcasting, don't just spam them with your podcast. Give them something that they'll be interested to in. So something that you've listened to or something that you know that somebody does a podcast about this that you think that they might be really into that. We send them in that direction because ultimately at the end of the day, if more and more people listen to podcasts, it increases the podcast audience overall, which can only be a good thing for all of us. Absolutely. Now, Ant, I, I think you kind of gave the advice, uh, but you know, in case you have something else, what is one thing you would tell someone who wants to chase their dreams, given your past experiences? <sighs> I think the, the key is in the question, you know, it's about chase your dreams. It's your dreams. It's not anybody else's. So mm. you've got to think about what other people are saying. Now, it, sometimes it can be very difficult to distinguish between criticism and advice from other people but it's about what, what you want and what they want. And sometimes people will dress things up 
as if it's the best thing for you when really it's the best thing for them. And, you know, I was in a position where like all this happened to me, you know, and, you know, emotionally it was very difficult for me, but Hey, you know, I, I didn't have any um, children to worry about in this situation. I, you know, I was lucky enough to walk away from that without a, a debt that I had to pay and a mortgage in a place that I wasn't living, you know, and I still have my health and my passion. So, you know, I, I was in a good position, so that, which meant that actually, if this went wrong, the only person that it was going to affect was me. And so, even though people were trying to protect me from things, I was like, it's okay, because I'm I'm, I'm all right. I don't mind if it goes wrong. I don't mind if it fails because I, I'm, I'm trying to do something that I really believe in, I really care about. And you know what? If it works, it's going to be amazing. And if it doesn't work out quite the way that I want it to, it's still going to be pretty good. But hey, whatever happens, it's a brilliant adventure and, and a story that I can come onto Amy's podcast and talk for an hour about. <laughs> and what a story it is, man. I am so happy for you that you're coming out on top and that uh, even more so that I'll be seeing you at Podcast Movement. And, you yeah. know, thank you so much, especially with the time difference. I'm going to let you go so you can get some sleep. Thank you so much, Ant, for coming on the show, man. Hey, no, thank you very much. And I, I hope that wasn't too uh, rambly and round the houses, as we would say over here. But uh, yeah, and, and just keep doing what you're doing. I think for all of us out there doing podcasting, it's, you know, it, staying up a little later or, you know, spending a little more time in your day to get an edit in, to get an interview in. It all adds up. It all comes good. And I think it just sometimes takes a little bit longer than you think it would. So keep the faith. Thanks, Ant. Thank you, Amy. And guys, that was Ant McKinley. Crazy story. Imagine if he had stopped at any point, right? Hindsight being what it is. The lesson, though, is you got to keep pushing. You got to keep going. Don't let naysayers and people who believe they know what's better and what your dreams are stop you. You have to keep going. You have to keep pushing through because imagine if Ant had stopped. You know, his success was probably at the next the next corner. Right. So, again, hindsight, we know. But the lesson is you got to keep pushing. OK, you guys can learn more about Ant and find all of his links, including a pod map for anyone wanting to start a podcast that hasn't and pod boost for anybody who's already podcasting who wants to improve. So you guys can find all of that on the show notes page over at amyj21.com slash episode 136. That's episode 136. All right, guys, until next time, keep chasing. Thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dreams. Amy would love to connect with you and hear all about your pursuit of chasing your dreams. Connect with her on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram via at Chasing Dreams HQ. Or you can find Amy on Twitter at AmyJ21. That's A-I-M-E-E-J-2-1. Be sure to visit headquarters over at ChasingDreamsHQ.com for more inspiration, motivation, and resources to help with your own dream chase. We hope you'll join Amy next week. And until then, keep chasing. Keep chasing.